right. Welcome everybody. Jim's going to get a handout for us. How's everybody doing? Yeah. Yeah, we're pretty good. We got. We uh, well, we don't actually live in the new house till next Saturday. We we got ninety percent of the stuff there. Nobody got hurt. Nothing got broken. Zach was the man. Zach uh, did all the heavy lifting, and uh, some of us old guys did a little bit of heavy lifting. What do you say? You said that's not true. You did. I tell them about your workbench you made. Oh, you did. The Amish workbench. The Amish workbench. Yeah, that is so cool. It. It's an oldie bit of goodie. Yeah. You could drive your 18-wheeler up on it, couldn't you? Yeah, I know. So uh, I think Jim already did announcements. Let me just see if there's anything yeah, I that I have that he might not have had. So, yeah, thank you for uh, asking about the move. We're excited. We we slept on an air bed last night. It was kind of cold, so we just got to blow up air bed. And it's, it's like regular size. We had king size, so... I rolled over on her hair last night <laughs> and woke her up. So, anyway, there's just kind of some funny stories coming out. Of course, it snowed and it was so cold. And so it was like the worst day in the world to move. And uh, the ramp was pretty good going up the U-Haul truck. So, thank the Lord I got a U-Haul truck. But once snow was on that aluminum surface, it was super slick. So, me and Rick Adams were in there kind of handing stuff to each other, kind of skating on ice. And so, kind of crazy stuff. But, uh, you know, the Lord's been in it. And, uh, I told uh, Zach, you know, the people that are buying our house are born-again Christians. The, our realtors are born-again Christian. And so we've all kind of prayed about it. We've just seen God's hand in it. But, uh, yeah, if we were any any older, we may not be moving. So this is kind of where we're going to stay. Uh, you probably got baptisms next Sunday. Yep. I think... Uh, I think, uh, Pam, I seen your name on the uh, Next Steps class. Is that right? That's today. That's today. So you and Emmett are going to go through the next steps. So praise the Lord for that. And uh, ask all the questions you want. Uh, next Saturday, uh, that's uh, our disciples, discipleship luncheon. So anyone who uh, is an approved discipler, if you've... Uh, been through discipleship yourself and you've taken the how to disciple class you're welcome to come to that that's the 13th february 28th is the uh, special prayer and praise uh, i'm going to c- try to come to that it's a sunday night that, that sounds like uh fun we've, we've got uh some uh, specials and our our praise team as well as uh, I think a choir group's coming together for that. And then don't miss the vision conference. If you can, I know our church has two big church-wide events every year, the vision conference in the spring, the Bible conference in the fall. And so this vision conference is April 14th through 11th. So I just now, I didn't know when the dates were. So 14th through 11th of of April. There'll be some missionaries here. I'm trying to think who are... I think it's Lee Carter. I think Lee Carter from the the Dominican Republic. So, kind of exciting stuff. And, uh, all right, so Jeremiah 3. Uh, I don't know if we'll get through the whole chapter, but we're going to try. And uh, Pam, I I did, uh, Pam Anderson, Pam Anderson gave me a copy of a Jewish uh, Old Testament. Oh, cool. And so uh, I copied the table of contents. I want everybody to see that because it's got the same exact books as, as our Bible, but they're in a little different order. Yeah, some of them are combined. And I, yeah, some of them are combined. And so I think it's based on the Masoretic text. So it, it's. Uh, I've looked at that a little. So I've got copies that I'm going to try to give next. It was just a little too much for for this week. But uh, let's read these first five verses of Jeremiah 3, and then we will uh, go to the Lord in prayer. And so, uh, forgive me for being a little late this morning, but uh, thank the Lord we're warm in here. We've got a safe place to meet. We're healthy for the most part. I I know uh, 
Brother Pat has had some high blood pressure. We can pray for Pat here in a minute. And uh, Pat is actually working with the Mighty Warriors this morning. And he came over uh, and uh, helped a little with our move yesterday. And so uh, he's going hard, And uh, but he's got some health things. And those, those are always kind of scary. So we'll pray for him. But let's read Jeremiah chapter 3, the first five verses. And it says here... And, and and what I, what I want us to focus on, uh, I want us to focus on two things this morning. One is kind of pending judgment, and I don't know if this is always true in my life, but I feel like God kind of gives me a warning before He judges me, and, and I think He's doing that for Israel. It's kind of like driving down the road and you see a sign, you know, road work ahead. And then there's another one. There's road work ahead. And then it's, you know, coming down to one lane or, you know, I don't think I've ever seen a sign that says bridge out, but... Uh, it's in your garage. <laughs> is it? It's the bridge. Oh, the bridge, yeah. It, yeah, it is, actually. So, but, so God is going to give Israel a warning that judgment is coming, you know, turn from your ways, repent. And the other thing I want us to focus on, uh, God actually divorces Israel. And that's funny to think about, but, but God, Israel is God's wife, and, and he has to, but, but he, you know, he, he does that for Jesus. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And uh, I think it's because God, in, in Habakkuk, it says he's of two pure eyes to look upon iniquity. And so Jesus became sin for us, and God had to turn his back on him. But, of course, the Spirit of God raised Jesus to life again, and we know that Israel's going to be restored. And so, uh, anyway, that, that's kind of the cliff's note of, of our passage here. But look at Jeremiah 3.1. They say, if a man put away his wife... That, that's divorce, and she go from him and become another man's wife, shall he, shall he return again unto her? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers, yet return again to me, saith the Lord. Lift up thine eyes unto the high places, and see where thou hast been lying with. In the ways... Hast thou set for them as the Arabian in the wilderness, and thou hast polluted the land with thy whoredoms and with thy wickedness? Therefore the showers have been withholden, and there hath been no latter rain, and thou hast a whore's forehead, thou hast refusest to be ashamed. Wilt thou not? Wilt thou not from this time cry unto me, my father? Thou art the guide of my youth. Will he reserve his anger forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, thou hast spoken and done evil things as thou couldst. And so let's uh, hold up there and let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do bow our heads and just uh, humbly uh, acknowledge you in all our ways. Father, we ask you to direct our paths this morning, guide our thoughts, be be our shepherd, be our husband. And... Uh, lift up our, our brother Pat just his uh, health issues and just the uh, concern that he has for his own uh, body and life and so we lift him up to you we uh, lift up anybody else that's uh, hurting in our midst today I, I know there's always prayer requests and just pray for those watching online uh, for them and their loved ones and bless this time in your word we thank you for uh, Jeremiah's faithfulness to not only speak your word to uh, that generation but uh, to ours as well and and that uh, he finished his course and um, help us to fulfill our course we pray this in jesus name amen Amen. well uh i don't know if anybody remembers our memory verse we i'm going to try to remind us this from time to time it's uh, jeremiah uh, 15 16 and let's look at that together I think I got enough cord here to hang myself. And I think I got it memorized, so that's probably why I'm bringing it up, just because I think I got it. <laughs> so look with me at Jeremiah 15:16, And I'm pretty sure it says this, Thy words 
were found. I don't know if it's a comma there. And I did eat them. And then it says, uh, and thy word. was the joy and rejoicing. Did I miss something? Well, it was just middle. Yeah, little bit. You may have missed a few. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, all right. And then joy. <laughs> me. Yeah. Ah. The word was joy. The word was unto me. Ah. Darn, I missed it. It was unto me. Is there a comma? Nope. Joy and rejoicing. Right? Yep. Uh, and I like this word. Mine, mine heart. Uh oh, there's something else. Uh, Semicolon. Semicolon? Oh, colon. Sorry. Is a colon? Join Just a second here. Let me think. For thou art something. For I. For I. Okay, for I. Okay, help me now. Called by thy name. I only do capital. <laughs> Lord God Almighty. Lord God of Host. Okay, so I need to work a little bit. Maybe we can all say it together next week. Yeah, let, let's let's shoot for that. I won't do that. Ah. Because uh, you do in the, the mighty warriors, and they take a stuffed animal, and you throw it to each person, and they say a word. Ah, oh, yeah, that's cool. Well, that's a good idea. Well, th- this was kind of interesting to me. Uh, I mean, Jeremiah had the individual words, but but then he uses word. I thought that was interesting because uh, he was eating God's words, the actual words of, you know, the inspiration. God breathed these words and Jer- and, and they nourished him. And uh, what I thought was cool about this word was, uh, you know, we might say uh, me, myself, and I, or, but I think mine is like personal. It's like this is mine. I, you know... These words are mine because I ate them. They're mine. And uh, anyway, I know a guy. You'll think this is funny. If I ever disciple Rich, I may do this. But uh, lesson two is about eternal life. And this guy gives the example. He did this with his disciple. He's 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 a lot like Zach Murray. <laughs> He he said uh, he said he said he said to his disciple that they cleared out the living room. You can imagine taking this room and just moving all the chairs in the hallway. And he gave his friend an apple. He said, "Now I'm going to take that apple from you." And they wrestled till the discipler took the apple away from his person he was discipling. And he he said he said now. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna see if you can take it away from me. Well, he started eating the apple. Uh, cool. <laughs> and so he ate the apple. He says, "So see, now you can't take it away from me." And he said, "That's like eternal life. It, uh, Christ is in you, and you can't lose that." And so uh, I just thought that was cool. He wrestled with his discipler and took away his apple. I don't know. It's just funny to me. <laughs> so um, you kind of made a side comment to you saying that, and it's really good. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, it, you can't can't lose it. Uh, Anyway, so 
uh, kind of hold your place here and look at Deuteronomy. Now, you've got this on your handout. Because God is, God is actually above His law. And so he, He's got a law here in Deuteronomy... It's chapter 24 and verses 3 and 4. And uh, Connie, let's have you read that if you would, sister. Okay. And if the latter husband hate her and write her a bill of divorcement and give it to her hand and sendeth her out to his house, out of his house, or if the latter husband died, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife, after that she is defiled, for that is the abomination before the Lord. And thou shalt not cause the land to sin, the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Okay, so th- this is the law, and I think he says it in a in a different place the same thing so like if you know like that me and Angie are married if we were to divorce and we had this bill this legal thing of divorce and she married someone else and they didn't work out and she wanted to come back to me under the law I couldn't do that because it would defile the land it uh and and I don't know all the reasons for for God doing that. I, I actually know a, a couple that that did that or tried that, and the second time they married, it didn't work out. But uh, so I mean, we're we're under grace; we're not under the law. But but that that is what God is proposing in Jeremiah three. He's saying, you know, you've played the harlot, and I'm. Uh, but look at the end of verse 1, back at Jeremiah 3. It says, Yet return again unto me, uh, let return, yet return again to me, saith the Lord. And so in your first blank, I just gave you the word inviting. The Lord is inviting uh, Judah to return to him, even though... Uh, even though his law says you shouldn't do that because uh, you've played the harlot, you've you've married other strange gods, you. But yet, I want you to come back to me, is what he's saying. So, just the word inviting goes in your blank, and it's interesting in verse two. Uh, I'm trying to think here maybe it well lift up thine eyes into the high place see where thou hast been lying with in the ways hast thou set for them so it just talks about kind of being the harlot and it talks about Arabian in the wilderness the thing I read is like Arabians were kind of notorious like uh, robbers, so they they just like to plunder and take the spoil of of people and towns, and so he used this illustration of the Arabian in the wilderness, kind of like a bunch of hoodlums. Uh, that's how they were like. And then in verse three, uh, it talks about God's judgment here because He's withholding the the rain from their crops. And uh, I, I know even my dad, and I'm sure other farmers say this, like around August, September, uh, my dad will say something like, boy, if we can just get one more good rain, our, our crops will make it. Uh, you, you're smiling, Pam. You, you guys think things like that. Because, I mean, if, if the tassel's already out on the corn, it's germinated, it needs a rain to fulfill the little kernels of corn that's on the stock. And so uh, that God's saying, I'm going to withhold that from you. So it's, um, he, he says something like that in Malachi. It's like you're filling a, a bag with holes in it. <laughs> and uh, you and I know that. If we're disobedient, it seems like, you know, your car is going to break down and you're going to spend a bunch of money on this, that, and the other. If and uh, God judges and does those, allows those things. 
to, to draw us back to him. And he says something about in verse 4, he, he just wants Israel to cry out to him and because uh, he's the guide of their youth. He, he uh, kind of born them out of Egypt and they become this nation and he's guided them from, from their beginning. And now it looks like they're going to go into captivity because they've uh, been disobedient. And then I think it's interesting in verse 5, it's like, at the end of that it says behold thou hast spoken and done evil things as thou couldst it's, it's like they've tried every every way you've done as bad as you could it's like there wasn't anything you you haven't tried to, to go against me and so that's really these uh, first five verses and then in uh, verses 6 through 11 I broke out that section there it talks about the days of Josiah in verse 6. That was uh, really Israel's last, Judah's last good king. If you look at chapter 1, we're, we're right there. Look at Jeremiah 1 and verse 2. It says uh, about Jeremiah, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. So. So uh, Jeremiah in chapter 3 is just uh, <clears throat> supporting what he said earlier here. These are the days of Josiah the king, the 13th year of his king of his reign. And uh, we know Jeremiah prophesied for 40 years, so this was probably a little ways into that. <clears throat> and he mentions her backsliding, and she's uh, played the harlot. And uh, look, somebody read verse verse eight. Somebody read verse eight. Uh, Rich, you got that? Yeah. And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not the wind and played the harlot also. When I see that, I think of I at our at our work. We used to have a poster. I think this was at our work. It doesn't sound like a very encouraging poster, but it says something like, maybe it was a joke I read. Some people's lives serve only as a a warning to others. Yeah. Have you ever seen that one? Yeah. And uh, that's what he's saying here in verse 8. He's like, backsliding Israel did all this adultery and whoredom, and I gave her a bill of divorcement, and yet her sister Judah feared not, but she went and played the harlot also. So she didn't heed the warning, and and so you see that uh, Israel goofed up, and God judged them, and... Now, does anybody know what uh, the capital of Judah is? What is the capital of Judah, the, their main city? Try to get a drink of water. It's the main city in Israel. Yeah, Judah was in the south. So it was Jerusalem. It was Jerusalem. So, uh, I don't have any candy bars, but what is, so now what do you think the main city of Israel was, the northern tribes? If Judah had Jerusalem, who, who did, what city did Israel have? Samaria was the big one. Yeah, so Samaria was kind of their capital. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there was, uh... See, I think there was a city, Samaria, and then there's also a region kind of Samaria. And it's actually one of the kings of Israel kind of founded that. And I believe it belonged to Ephraim, if I'm not mistaken. So sometimes Israel's referred to as Ephraim because it's kind of the, just like Judah was the main one of Judah and Benjamin. So uh, Samaria goes in your blank. Uh, these two sisters, Israel or Samaria... And Judah had Jerusalem. 
Oh, I was going to mention yeah. in that verse we read talking about committing adultery. That's not really the physical act of adultery. Right. That's idolatry. And the Lord always calls idolatry adultery. Yeah. Yeah, since they were the wife and they went after other gods, essentially it's like spiritual adultery, but it was idolatry. They tried to worship and serve other gods. So that that's a good point. <clears throat> now, I did something one time that was very taboo. Is I mentioned divorce in a wedding ceremony. <laughs> I, I married a couple and... Uh, and that was my topic. That was my message in their wedding was about divorce. And uh, But hopefully this will make sense after I, I read some of this to you. I, I'll share it with you today. Uh, divorce is actually the legal or judicial dissolving of a marriage. But the, the Bible uses a phrase that describes what happens in a relationship before divorce happens. And that phrase is called putting away. And that's what it said in verse, in verse 1. Uh, look at that again in verse 1. Of, uh, they say if a man put away his wife. Everybody see that? So, so putting away, that's kind of what happens... You know, before two people divorce, they're usually not sleeping in the same room. They usually a lot of uh, argumentation leads up to that, and they've kind of so the putting away is is another way of saying divorce. And so, uh, putting away means to send off or to let loose, and it's also translated cast out or depart. And a famous verse, let's all look at this in Malachi. I won't have you look at all these, but hold your place here and look at Malachi 2. And and let me say this, because perhaps you or someone listening online is divorced. There's sometimes divorce maybe can't be... Uh, you, you can't control what the other person does or doesn't do. And so com- sometimes divorce is unavoidable. And so here in uh, Malachi chapter 2, and uh, the first part of verse 16 says this, Malachi 2.16 For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away. And you'll, you'll hear preachers say, uh, and, and the Bible says it, that basically the Lord hates divorce. That We can, we can boil that uh, statement down to the, the God hates divorce. It says, For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away. Um, and yet he did that. He divorced Israel because of her idolatry and adultery. And so we uh, just saw that God does indeed hate divorce, specifically the putting away of a relationship that he has joined together. So uh, he hates that. Um, and so uh, here's, the, here's part of the reason I chose to talk about this at a, at a wedding. <laughs> Because uh, in Ephesians it, it says to put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So when people get married, there is a sense that they need to put off the old man. That that was my point to this couple getting married. You two, if you're going to stay together, you're going to have to put off some of your old conversation, and uh, and some of your old conversation because it's corrupt. You have deceitful lusts, and so as a Christian, we are to put off or put away our old man because it's after Adam's sinful image, and we need to put on the new man of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible teaches us here that we are to divorce ourselves from the corrupt, deceitful lusts. And in Colossians it says, But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, strife, nope, 
anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy conversation out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. He says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. <clears throat> so I read these things that this to let us know that God would have us put off our sinful habits and be engaged and married to Christ and develop new and righteous habits. So I think I think you all can uh, see where divorce should be part of our lives in the sense that we need to put off some things. <clears throat> in Leviticus 6, the Old Testament priests were to put off his garments before putting on the garments and performing his duty. Yeah, he was to. Uh, there were some priestly garments that he was to put on, but he had to. He did, you know, uh, since it was so cold in our bed, I wore a sweatshirt and sweatpants to bed last night. But I don't have them on now. I took them off and put these clothes on to come here. But so we don't put on the new clothes, the dress clothes, over our pajamas. Uh, and so we need to put off some things before we put on Christ. And uh, Peter even says, knowing that surely I must put off this tabernacle, and it refers to uh, the death of his body. And in uh, Corinthians it says, this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So before we go to heaven... Uh, after we die, we, we're going to leave this tabernacle. We're going to put off this body, and we we will get uh, new glorified bodies. And so we we are uh, putting off the old man, this uh, the fleshly, uh, carnal nature that we have. And then, uh, so just kind of my last admonition to this couple was uh, to say that the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off or put off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And uh, anyway, that was uh, how I married that couple. And I I always uh, like... It was a little rocky for this couple for a while, and but so thankfully they're still together. Because uh, a couple people, I think I've done ten marriages now, and or ten weddings, and I think over half of them are still going. So, uh, you know, you hate to put your hand to something that fails. But I know at least a couple of them have failed. <clears throat> So anyway, any any thoughts or questions about that thing with divorce? Because that's a serious thing that uh, God would divorce His people, but yet promise that they're going to be restored and brought back to Him. And, and most of you remember just the story of Hosea in the Bible where he, God told him to marry a prostitute. He God told him to marry uh, a Gomer, and he, he, he actually had to buy her. And uh, that, that's why I gave you that uh, reference in Hosea. But uh, it's just a wild thing. That, and, but God was doing, you know, God, uh, the Bible says that the Jews require a sign. And that, that was their sign. When they seen this godly man, Hosea, marry a prostitute and, you know, move into her home, his home, and it was just a public thing, they had a visual image of this is how we are to our God, that we are we are corrupt and uh, doing wrong. Steve, yeah. Malachi two, when you were uh, reading those, it reminded me. I had made a mental note at one time with Malachi Malachi two. You know what one thing? What things would 
cause me or take me away, cause me to divorce hmm. or put away my first love. Mm-hmm. Forgot. And so we need to be aware uh, and cautious. And one thing I've written down is um, uh, selective hearing. Okay. It, it's just that's one thing. It's a subtle thing. Being a lead and selective hearing are the two things that you know I pray. Hmm. About. What was that? Taking a leave or t- leave? Taking oh. the leave. Is just that's just uh-huh. no in my life. This is one thing that's caused me failure uh. in my life is taking the lead when I should not. Have ah, so, I see what you're saying. Taking the lead and then selective hearing. Yeah, caused me to wander. Hmm. That's good. I mean, you you know your spouse and you you know your Lord, and so you kind of know those things. And so, yeah, if you, I I caught myself cussing the other day, and I thought, you know, I've watched a, a couple of movies lately that were pretty profane language. And I caught myself cussing when I got mad. I thought, hope nobody heard me. I did it out loud. I'm like, Steve. It was just a moment where, what have you been putting in your head, dude? So, I, I hear you, Pam. So, yeah, it's it's subtle, and but over time, uh, it, it's funny. You've heard the joke of uh, a husband and wife getting married, and, and historically, uh, pickups have had bench seats in them, and so the young couple's courting, and he's got his arm around her. She's sitting right next to him, and they're driving to the drive-in or whatever. And and uh, pretty soon they get they get married, and they have a child. And well, where's the kid going to sit? So he sits in the middle between the two. And and then, of course, as years go on, they might have two kids. And so the wife gets further away on the bench of the seat. And then the kids are grown and gone. and But the husband and wife are still at the other side of the bench on the seat. And so uh, the wife says something like, "Honey, we I used to sit next to you when we drive, and it just seemed like we're further apart now." And and the husband says, "I haven't gone anywhere." No. <laughs> so he, he he. So I actually told that to my wife. We were in the U-Haul last night in the snow, and the U-Haul has a bench seat. I said. <laughs> Honey, you should come over. As she did, she slid over and sat next to me in the U-Haul. So that's a pretty fresh one in our mind. And I was scared you were going to say she beat you. No, no, no. So, she does take good care of her. Yeah, she does. But my arm hurts too bad to put it around her. I can't get my arm. But anyway, we sat next to each other. So, yeah, that's uh, just some things about divorce in Israel. <clears throat> and it says in verse 10, let's go back to Jeremiah 3 again now. 3.10 And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned again to me, or unto me, with her whole heart, but feignedly saith the Lord. So, uh, she kind of pretended to love the Lord. So, you know, there's a verse that says that these people honor me with their lips, but their heart's far from me. And so that that can be true, too. We, we can... Uh, and, and ironically, I, there's been at least a handful of times that I've witnessed this in the jail or even in our recovery group. Uh, we, we call it Jesus talk. We, somebody will come in to just boast to love the Lord, and they're uh, man, they're Jesus this, and He showed me this, and God is so good. And but they never get discipled. They never come to church. They and before you know, one or two months later, they're just gone, and you you don't know what happens to them. And because it's encouraging when you hear that, but I, I think of Judah here that. She, uh, you know, returned to me faintedly, but, <clears throat> but, uh, uh, but not with her whole heart. <clears throat> and so God, God wants our heart. And uh, Judah actually become more sinful than than Israel did. <clears throat> is what verse eleven says. So let's look here in verse. Somebody read twelve and thirteen for us, if they will. Of Jeremiah 3. 
thing about acknowledge it has to do with confession you know the bible says if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so but uh, judah wouldn't do that they they would not confess and you know when jim was teaching us about the way of the master you know we would ask if if they're a good person and uh and they typically would agree uh, but then we, we would say, have, the, have you kept the Ten Commandments? Well, you know, have you lied? Have you stolen? Have you committed adultery? Uh, looked upon a woman or man with lust in your heart? And if they won't do that, if they won't acknowledge that, then you can't really take them further. You know, I think that's true with us. And until we kind of confess or we acknowledge where we're at, it's hard for God to take us further. So he says that a couple times there, uh, or verse 13, Only acknowledge thine iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God. So he's just really wanting them to acknowledge, to confess. And uh, so that they would uh, then in turn repent and come back to him. And then verse 14 says, uh, again, Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord. And he says, For I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. So he, he says that he's married to him right there. And uh, so he's he's already divorced Israel. Excuse me. And essentially, he divorces Judah. So what I had you put in your blank there was just the word wife. Israel is God's wife, and he promises to take her back, even though she was backslidden and had committed adultery. And I gave you some verses about restoration, and I think we'll maybe hit some of those at another time. Because this is uh, prophetical. I mean, God record. God doesn't just give us a, a story here, you know, so that He'll have enough words and pages to fill a book. He's trying to teach us something prophetical, and uh, we'll see that there's there's a little phrase here in just a minute that I j- jump down to verse sixteen. Well, well, let's let's do fifteen and sixteen. Uh, who uh, who wants to read fifteen? And I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And it shall come to pass when you be multiplied and increased in the land. In those days, saith the Lord, they shall say no more. The ark of the covenant of the Lord, neither shall it come to mind, neither shall they remember it, neither shall they visit it, neither shall that be done anymore. Why, why did you say you like that one? Um, I just, I'm so thankful for the pastors that um, yeah, uh, follow the will of God and, and teach us. Mm. And feed us knowledge and understanding. I mean, I just personalize that 15. Uh, I, I, this thing, the commentary I was reading, it gave a list of 24 things that a pastor should be. And I was going to include that on here. I thought, you know, I'm probably not all those things. So I, <laughs> I was kind of select even what I gave you here. But you. The, pa- the pastor is to lead and feed the flock. And uh, there's like three words in the New Testament for uh, pastors. And one is bishops. Uh, 
And a bishop is an overseer where, you know, I'm maybe closer to some of you than I am others, but hopefully I have the oversight of all. And uh, I knew Pat wasn't here, and it's not because he's sick. He's serving in another area. And there's probably others in here that maybe I need to give a phone call to. So a, a bishop has the oversight and, uh, you know, prophets were called seers. Uh, in, the, in the Bible, prophets are called seers, like S-E-E-R-S. And p- partly because they, they could see visions or prophetic visions, but uh, partly because they, they were looking out at the people and God was revealing their state, you know. He was overseeing. And so bishops are to... But uh, so, I mean, like like with Carol, I know Carol's children. I know where she lives. I know a little bit about her. I, but I don't micromanage her life. And she's in HBI, so I grade her papers. And so we'll have more interaction than I will somebody else. But hopefully with, with you know, if I don't see Rich for two or three weeks, I'm going to... Say, hey, what's up, brother? You okay? And so that that's the overseer. Another another word is uh, um, elder. And and some churches actually have elders, uh, an office for that, but it, it is but it represents maturity, some wisdom, and uh, you know, you, you don't want you don't want somebody flying the airplane you're riding in if you know more about flying than they do. <laughs> so ho- hopefully, you know, it, it lifts you up by hearing things that the Lord has shown me or maybe I've studied that you haven't yet. And so hopefully I'm like a, a big brother in that sense that I'm going to guide. And that's what these pastors were to do to Israel. They were to guide them. But uh, in in essence, uh, Peter says that they're to lead and feed. We we lead and guide. And um, can somebody just uh, quote twenty third Psalm, the first verse? What does that say? The Lord is my shepherd. I sh-. so in a way, God was their husband, but He was also their shepherd and a father to them. And so, a shepherd is that. Uh, the pastor because he's to lead and feed the the flock and do you know later it says in that 23rd psalm that thy rod and thy staff they comfort me and I think we all like the staff because the staff guides you and if the shepherd's hook has a hook on it you can kind of draw people back and keep them from going off the cliff but you know the rod was more of a punishing thing you know quit running off you know right you know you're stealing other people's grass or what you know what <laughs> so but david loved that and if if you're a christian very long hopefully you love that too cuz you want god to correct you so the the rod was more of a correction thing you you could whack him and <laughs> And uh, so, so sometimes pastors are called under shepherds uh, because uh, Christ is called the great shepherd. He's the shepherd of our souls. Uh, look back in Jeremiah one page. Look, look at chapter two, and here it mentions shepherds again. <clears throat> Was it two eight? Uh, Pam, you read that too, if you a two eight. Um, the priest said not where is the Lord and they that handled the law knew me not the pastors also transgressed against me and the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit yeah so so the problem here was pro, uh, pastors prophets and uh, there's one that says priest so the pastors were transgressing themselves and so they were the leading the sheep the wrong way and so what Pam read in 3.15 that God promises to give pastors according to his heart 
<clears throat> and he's going to feed them uh, with knowledge and understanding. So uh, the Lord provides uh, good, good pastors for his people. <clears throat> and uh, I, I, I'm thankful too, Pam, that, uh, that I have pastors that lift me up too. And so... Uh, Pam has called me her pastor a time or two, and it, it's it's a term of endearment, and I like to hear, but it's also convicting, you know. And so maybe, maybe I will give you that list of 24 things here, <laughs> maybe next week. So that's funny. Now, verse 16 uses a phrase, and we'll probably camp out here. We may not get through this whole chapter. Verse 16 that Pam read. And it came, it shall come to pass when ye be multiplied and increase in the land in those days. It mentioned this little phrase, those days. It looked down at verse 18 also. In those days the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel. So there, there's a there's a prophetical meaning with those days. And uh, I did a study on it one time. And um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll read to you just a little bit of that here. Uh, because those days is a reference to the great tribulation that's coming uh, because God uses the tribulation period to purge his people and because uh, right, right now Romans says that, that Israel is jealous of the church and God is using that jealousy to draw his people back to himself but uh, I'll just read you a few verses here and make a few comments it's in Matthew 24 but it says for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time no, nor shall it nor ever shall be and except those days should be shortened there should be no flesh saved but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened so in the context of the great tribulation twice he mentions those days and, and we even say it uh, you know Rich you could probably say this about your brother Travis he just broke his hand he was having one of those days you, you ever just have one of those days we, we even use that phrase we had you know one of those days is a terrible thing right you know the the electric goes off we the car won't start the kids are misbehaving it's just one of those days it's a and so we we've kind of coined that phrase in 21st century but it it's very prophetical <clears throat> because it's a reference to the tribulation time and even in the book of Revelation, it says, And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. <clears throat> so in the King James Bible, the phrase those days is used almost exclusively in reference to the seven-year tribulation period before the Lord's return, and specifically the last three and a half years of it. So just as Jesus had three and a half years of ministry on the earth, the Antichrist will have a counterfeit three and a half year ministry. And uh, it even mentions in the, the book of Genesis that during Noah's days, the Bible says there were giants in the earth in those days. And Jesus said, in the, as in the days of Noah, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. <clears throat> so uh, many times in the... Uh, in in the Bible, it mentions those days, and it's a prophetic reference to the coming of the Lord, the tribulation period, and, and the end days. <clears throat> look with me over at Jeremiah. We're here in the book of Jeremiah. Look at, let's look at Jeremiah 33. We'll see it again here in verse 15 and 16. Jeremiah 33. So this is a neat little study if you ever want to just, uh, if you have a, a Bible app on your phone and just type in the, those days and just read all the time that the, they come up. So Jeremiah 33 verses 15 and 16, it says, In those days and at that time will I cause the branch of righteousness... Uh, that, that's a reference to Christ. Notice the word branches capitalized. The branch of righteousness to grow up 
unto David, and he, that branch, Jesus, shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. And in those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name wherewith uh, she shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. So Jerusalem... uh, gets saved. Jude, Judah gets saved, and it happened in those days. So I, I really like that. Uh, <clears throat> I've got eight or ten other references here uh, in the book of Judges. It talks about in those days there was no king in Israel; every man did that which is right in his own eyes. <clears throat> um, anyway, that's that's just a neat. Uh, a neat study to do, and so it, it's very prophetical that uh, Israel and Judah shall come together and they shall be as one. That so again, it's talking about the restoration uh, because the Lord comes and restores His His people. <clears throat> so I think that was the next blank I gave for you on your second page. The back of your page was those days. Both houses shall be one in Palestine. And, um, you know, I guess I can just finish this. Uh, I, I've given you the, the bulk of what I wanted to say. Um, let's just jump down to the very last verse. Of Jeremiah 3, verse 25. It says, uh, We lie down in our shame, and our confusion covereth us. For we have sinned against the Lord our God, we and our fathers from our youth, even unto this day, and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. And he, they, uh, I mentioned that their idolatry, the last point on your handout, uh, brought shame and despair and confusion. And then your last blank is just, God is not the author of confusion. And so what, what's ironic about that, they, they had all this confusion in their life, and they were despaired, and they were ashamed. And uh, he even mentions that in, uh, in verse 24, it says, For our shame hath devoured the labor of our fathers, and from our youth their flocks and their herds and their sons and their daughters. So their idolatry brought shame on the on the dads, uh, shame on them, and their their possessions, their herds and their flocks, and even and so it brought shame on their whole family, their sons and their daughters. And so they're, they're backsliding and uh, caused all this, and it brought this. And I think what I was going to say, just by them being delivered to Babylon, uh, Babylon means confusion. So they they were in a state of confusion, then God judged them and sent away. And so that that's how he uh, punished them. But is, is there anything else to mention here today? We can all maybe work on this memory verse this week. I, I printed it out and put it by my computer at work, so I've been looking at it this week. Good idea. Just so I keep it in the front of my mind, but <clears throat> anyway, just some neat stuff about uh, divorce and. Yeah, I, I do like uh, Paul does the same thing like what you're talking about in Romans seven. He actually uses those Deuteronomy divorce laws to talk about like what you're talking about. Is we've got a the old man has to die. We divorce the old man, so yeah. we marry another. Yeah, Christ. yeah. So I think Romans seven really. A, when you know the marriage laws, like what you're talking about, and divorce laws, it like brings Romans seven to life. Because it's kind of confusing when you first read. Can, can you read those? Look that up. That is a good point. Look at uh, Romans seven, and it's almost a tongue twister. It's it is, a, until you, you know the laws that he's talking about. It's what you pointed out. Yeah. Yeah. Look at Romans seven. What? Well, that kind of starts in. It's two or three verses. And two. Says for the woman, which is like our soul, which has a husband, which is our flesh, is bound by the law to her. So they're they're united, uh, law to her husband. So long as he liveth, but if the husband be dead, she's loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband's alive, she's married to another man, she can be called an adulteress. 
but if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no more adulterous and she can be married to another man, which is Christ. So it's basically saying, like you said, we've got to put off the old man. Uh, our, our soul, the woman, has to put off the flesh. Okay. So we can marry another, which is the spiritual circumcision in Colossians. Uh huh. Separates the soul from the flesh. That's good. That they didn't have. And, and the next verse, wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law. Yeah. by the body of Christ that ye should be married to another even to him who is raised from the dead that's what you're saying yeah I mean, it's kind of deep but it, it all ties together yeah like what you're saying no that's good that's a good cross reference and uh, Jim's saying you're saying that uh, the woman is like our soul it's like our soul and the husband is like our flesh that we're that we want to get rid of yeah. So our soul can marry another. So when we get saved, the Lord cuts that away that those. carnal nature and yes. seals our soul. Yeah. Spiritual circumcision. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Hopefully we all picked up on that. It's a little deep. That is it's a little cool. deep. Any other thoughts or well, have a have a good week, a good day. Um, good game. Good game, yeah. If anybody's uh, wants to, they can come to our Super Bowl party. It's yeah. out here at five o'clock. We're having a Super Bowl party in the uh, South Trailer. So Life Issues is kind of hosting that, and Jim's got a big old pot of chili or two, and people bringing cheese and crackers. And so yeah, if you come, uh, bring something. We got a cake. It's uh, Life Issues ten year anniversary. Chili. <laughs> Sounds good. A lot of chili. See, my wife doesn't like beans, and so I never get chili at home. And she don't really like hamburger. So, anyway, uh, yeah, so when she gets fazolis, it's just marinara sauce. But, uh, so, yeah, I love chili. And so I'm going to get me some tonight. So, who wants to pray us out of here? Rich, do you want to pray for us, brother? Connie, you want to pray for us? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the love that you have for us that goes on no matter what we do, what we get into. You always love us. That means more to us than anything.